Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from thousands of successful individuals from around the world. I'm your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm delighted to welcome a very senior and accomplished marketing and branding professional from Miami, Florida, USA, Kathleen Ross. Kathleen, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. Thank you. Kathleen is a fractional chief marketing officer and the founder of Style Your Career. She's committed to her philanthropic pursuits, serving on, on the See the World Education Board and volunteering for Big Brothers, Big Sisters of America. She's also launched Style Your Career, a company focused on providing education to create the next generation of great creative leaders. So Kathleen, let's, before we talk marketing, tell me a little bit about your own journey. Well, I, I mean, creative and marketing have always been a little bit of a part of myself. I've always kind of sold things when I was younger. I would, you know, make bracelets and um, I was always painting and dancing. So I've always been a creative individual, but I had an interesting journey to CMO and a traditional marketing role because I, I started in graphic design. So I started my education in graphic design and creative. I founded my first business with my closest friend in college, and we created a company that we were calling Global Fashion Agency, and we were going to take over the world we were 18 and 19 years old mm -hmm. and we were doing PR marketing and we were just kind of in hustling through mm. making connections, running fashion shows. And I ended up in the publishing industry mm -hmm. and I worked in publishing as an art director. And as they started to see, wait, you're, you're really, you're really great at marketing. Are you doing event? I was still freelancing. So they're like, are you doing events? And I said, yes. So they started giving me more and more marketing uh -huh. roles. Mm -hmm. So I went from having my own business. I closed that, got this dream job in publishing as an art director in fashion and slowly but surely became a marketing director without even really reason realizing it. Mm -hmm. And I, from there, I um, went into a company called the Richline Group, which is a Berkshire Hathaway company. Mm -hmm. And I became the creative director and ran the in-house agency, which serviced the business all over the world. It was a fine jewelry business, very quietly one of the largest uh, manufacturers and wholesalers of, of fine jewelry in the world. And so I really started to understand agency and branding because we would create private label branding for some of the world's largest retailers and, mm -hmm. and focusing mainly on the US, but we did have a business hub in every major market around the world. Mm -hmm. So again, kind of this cross between creative and marketing and, mm -hmm. and really learning how to step into that in a professional sense over mm -hmm. my career. And then from there, I, I went into fashion and beauty and beauty has then become a true love of mine. And mm -hmm. I ran uh, marketing. I was the vice president of brand marketing and communications for a company called Monate, which sells wow. yep. hair care, skin care, and wellness products, supplements. And I I saw a whole new side of business with this company because I the company went through tremendous growth while I was there. 
when I joined the company, it was around 350 million in revenue. When I left the company, it was just under a billion dollars in revenue. And that was within three years. So I really went from, <laughs> start, you know, a, a very well-established it's hard to even call it a startup, but it was only, I think, five years old when I joined mm. to um, a true enterprise global operation. So that was an amazing experience. And I went on to chase the CMO dream, as I say, and I uh, joined a, another startup company called uh, Sugar Bear, mm -hmm. and it's a vitamin supplement company. And I was the CMO there. And that inspired me to launch my own business and become a, a fractional leader. And that's what I'm doing now as a yeah. fractional CMO and CCO, yeah. uh, chief creative officer for my clients. So yeah. I'm now on my own and, and really, really passionate about style your career as well, which I'm sure we'll Fabulous. get into. And when you say fractional chief marketing officer, I'm assuming you give the CMO support to many companies. Yes. Yes. So this, this whole fractional concept is something that's very popular right now. Um, it's a buzzword in marketing, but it, it has been around for a while, but I'm excited about what it's taking on now. Different than what a freelancer or a, or a traditional contractor might do where you're still somewhat separate from the organization. You're not necessarily representing the organization. Um, you're likely on projects. You're probably not attending the senior staff meetings, things like that. Fractional is really intended to be fully integrated in your team. You know, the only difference is that you're really not a, a full-time employee and it provides companies a huge advantage that they don't have to provide the same amount of benefits. Um, so, and it's also often not at a traditional 40 hour work week, but, but it, for me, it's great because I can support multiple clients at the same time. Um, you know, while still offering that strategic support and leadership work and, I'm very passionate about my clients and I know a lot of other fractionals are as well, consultants too. Mm -hmm. Um, but we're really in it with the, in the work and, and often represent the company when you're a fractional. So it's just a different mindset. It's a little bit of a mindset shift. Um, and there's a lot of companies, especially startups that wouldn't necessarily be able to have that senior leadership CMO on staff, but they can, if it's 20 Absolutely. hours a week. Absolutely. So it's, it's very exciting right now in this economy and what's happening to be able to have this option for companies who need that support. Mm, great response. Thank you. So let's talk branding. And let me start by asking you a very, very basic question. What goes into building a successful brand? Um, I think at the core, there's there's two things. You, you have to have a great product, right? And your brand comes from your product, but it also has to start from the consumer need and understanding why your consumers buy, what they need, and and who you're speaking to, understanding your audience. And of course, branding is things like that we know of the logo and the colors. And I, of course, love those things Absolutely. so much because yeah. I'm I'm a creative. So mm -hmm. I love those things. And at the same time, for it to become a great brand, for a brand to really resonate, it needs to be grounded in the people and that it's going to serve and, and the use that it's going to serve. So of course, I love the concept of going back to your why. I think it's not just the why of the company, because I've seen that too, where a lot of really great minds get in a room and they're like, this is our why. But if that why doesn't actually connect to the mm -hmm. person that you're serving, mm -hmm. you know, you might miss the mark there. And so I think 
really fantastic branding is is grounded in why, but also the why of the consumers and the messaging that's going to resonate with them. And then that's where all the visual comes. That's where the logo comes, um, is really that connectivity back to the person that you're talking to. Correct. And Kathleen, when you look at brands, and I've often said this, that brands are living beings. You know, they're like babies. They need nurturing throughout their life. My question to you is, what do some brands do right that they last 100 years and some die within two years? Yeah, it's really different now, too, because I think we're evolving at lightning speed Correct. now, mm-hmm. where if you think about it, when Coca-Cola was born, when the brand was born, which I love that term, it, it probably was able to stay the same for a little bit longer than we are now. Yeah. So. Even though Coca-Cola has had that brand stamp of Mm. Coca-Cola, I would say arguably the best brand that's been in existence, um, it still has evolved as well. But there's still this this underlying sensibility that it's the same brand. So it's about balancing how you're staying the same, remaining connected to what is always core, which Coca-Cola, of course, was great product um, and and happiness and joy, um, but also still listening, learning and evolving. And that's more important now than ever before. Just because something made you really great before doesn't mean that you don't have to innovate doesn't mean that you don't have to connect with consumers where they are now. Mm. And so if Coca-Cola had only ever um, run billboard ads or run ads in newspapers, or, I mean, even prior to that, I think they were in pharmacies maybe. Mm. So I think, you know, you can't always just say, this is what has always worked. This is who we always are. I think that this is more and more brands now need to understand how to evolve, but mm-hmm. still keep at the core, you know, what they stand for. So I think it's challenging now for brands, mm-hmm. you know, to, to yep. keep up. It's, it's definitely every day, something new is coming right. up. And yet, you know, you, you're talking of challenges. I remember four decades ago when I started, as you mentioned a few seconds ago, there were billboards newspaper ads, advertising in cinema theaters. But today, brands have to handle the very, very fast-moving digital world. So my question to you is, how can brands succeed in this incredibly complex digital world? It's it's really thinking again, how you're connecting back to the right customers and who you want to target. I think digital marketing is a big challenge for brands. Almost every major, you know, CPG company that I talk to in all the conferences that I'm going to, it's, Mm. you know, cost of cost of customer acquisition is rising. Meta advertising is more expensive than ever. We're losing more and more control with, um, you know, our, our pay-per-click marketing. Mm -hmm. It's really a challenging time to be in the digital Mm -hmm. space. And at the same time, when you're talking about billboards and newspapers and advertising, I think we can't completely throw all Mm -hmm. those things out either. Um, because, I'm not a big fan of bandwagon strategies, right? Everyone's saying, you got to be on TikTok. You got to be on TikTok. Well, if you're selling an orthopedic shoe, you know, not all of your customers are going to be on TikTok, right? So the same as you would do with any other marketing strategy where you would say, again, where are my customers? How do they behave? What are they, what platforms are they using? 
that's where you need to focus your strategy. Most brands can't be everywhere in a digital space. As much as you can be, you should, right? The idea of chopping up a piece of content, putting it everywhere, absolutely. However, you really need to be intentional, especially for small brands. Where am I going to put my effort? And I think it should be where your customers currently are. So you can expand that market and understanding from your customers, you know, where's the next customer going to customer going to be, you know, is it in the metaverse? Is it on TikTok? It, it very well could be, but I can't say that as a blanket strategy. So I think sometimes there's these marketing and branding gurus that it's like, you have to be everywhere. You have to be everywhere. You know, that's how you're going to make it through. And yes, we have a, a huge challenge with endless amounts of content. At the same time, if you're focused with your messaging and you get to that right consumer, Mm-hmm. that you know you're going to be halfway there more than halfway there the other thing about digital marketing that i find is we're so obsessed with attribution and performance marketing right now as we need to be right mm-hmm. we really critically need that data and at the same time if you have the best performance marketing the best ad ad campaign and mm-hmm. you have the wrong message you are spending your money on the wrong thing mm-hmm. so i continue to come back to understanding your customer mm-hmm. and i'll repeat it over and over and over again because i've seen it go wrong so many times you know you spend all this money you get to the customer and then you're not converting and people don't understand why and and they're just really not the messaging isn't connecting well said the next question is uh, on technology you know Technology has completely changed the way brands and brand managers are working, whether Mm -hmm. it is your handheld device, whether it's the way communication is happening or whether it's analytics. I want to get your perspective on how is technology changing brands? I'm very excited to talk about AI. I think that that's the that's the most um, exciting thing that's happening right now. And of course, we know AI has been around, right? There's so many different aspects of artificial artificial intelligence already available to marketers, but right now is this time where I'm seeing some marketers get scared of technology, right? Uh, super smart marketers and a lot of young people that I speak with. Um, in when I'm working in style your career and they say, I'm scared of it. They've actually told me this um, or I don't really understand how it's going to work or it's going to replace my job. And I think when it comes to marketing and technology and really anything is, you know, being scared of it doesn't get you anywhere. We have to embrace these technologies because in my opinion, the reality, in my opinion, is that AI will replace some marketing roles. If it hasn't already. Mm -hmm. And I think that we may be a little delusional if we don't think that it will. It is still a tool that great marketers can use, but just like the printing press, when the printing press came into play, there weren't as many calligraphers, Mm -hmm. you know, are there still calligraphers? Absolutely. They're the absolute best in their class. And a lot of people who were able to pivot and say, how can I get involved in the printing press were the ones who survived and and the world evolved and the way we communicate. So AI is super exciting. I'm constantly learning and reading about what's next. And Mm. I think that most marketers need to in terms of what's really exciting. And I, I'm connecting with a lot with AI is around um, customer service. Mm. And you may not initially think that that's an aspect of branding, but I truly believe any touch point that you have with the consumer is is part of your brand. So there's some really exciting things happening with chatbots, with personalization, um, and 
and customer service is a huge aspect of uh, a huge driver of costs for a lot of companies. So that's one aspect I'm really excited about when it comes to branding, you know, just chat GPT and everything that we have at our fingertips now integrated into all of our programs like Notion and um, we can execute much faster, which is something that I think we needed. So I'm excited about technology. I'm always learning. I'm always a student of technology. And I think that's the right way that we have to be as marketers. Absolutely. And you're so right. You know, it, it is expected. I was reading an article and they said that customer service is likely to be a $1 trillion business uh, in the next 10 years. That's the scale wow. at which customer service is going to explode virtually. But moving on, uh, Kathleen, you also spoke a little bit about the metaverse. And I wanted to ask you, um, based on your own experience, how are customers and brands beginning to understand the metaverse? I mean, big brands like Nike are actually buying serious amount of real estate in the metaverse. Absolutely. It's an interesting area and I have some potentially controversial thoughts on this. Uh-huh. I I think brands like Nike, you know, they need to be there. They can be in that space. Mm. I have also seen really great brands, big brands do some really kind of cheesy, wonky mm. things mm. Um, in terms of brand activation, right? Okay. If we speak to brand activation a little bit. Mm. So m- some, most of the brands that I that I've worked with recently have not used this as a core strategy. Now, again, going back to are your customers there? A brand like Mike, Nike is going to have customers everywhere. They're very they're you know an innovator. They're a game changer. So they need to be there. I'm excited to see those brands do that. For smaller brands, you know this may not be where you want to put your Absolutely most efforts right. because yeah. I've also seen companies even as amazing as Esther Lauder and you know Esther Lauder don't come for me, but they had this activation with one of their night serums, an amazing product. And it was, it was just, to me, it fell flat. I didn't, Mm. I saw it in, in some of the industry news. I didn't hear anybody in my circle talk about it. I didn't hear anything anecdotal about it being great. I looked into it and I just, I don't think that all of these experiences are sophisticated enough Mm. and in luxury brands, you don't have the opportunity to fall as much and make these kind of connections and to fall flat. So I think it's kind of an interesting early space, which is why I'm not necessarily advising all of my clients to go into this area. But what is interesting for NFTs, I think is, you know, unique experiences. I'm excited to see how NFTs will continue to disrupt the event industry, um, exclusive drops. There's a lot of cool things that you can do with NFTs and connecting with different artists. But again, it has to be done really well. Um, But I I am, I do see a huge future for, you know, augmented VR metaverse experiences. In 2015, very, very early adopter, too early of an adopter, I'd say, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, my CMO, who's a visionary, when I was with Richline, we did a VR shopping experience and brought it to the largest jewelry trade show in the world. And it was super cool. But again, it it just didn't stick. We were too early. Yeah. Um, yeah. But when it comes to blockchain, now that's a whole other area that I would say is something that I do think a lot of brands should get involved in now if they can, because to me, 
blockchain is one of the most exciting and important things that we have for proof of supply chain. Mm -hmm. And you may get say like, how is that branding? How is that marketing? But we're all talking about sustainability and consumer trust and how are consumers going to trust us if we can actually prove how how ingredients and how things are traveling around the world for supply mm -hmm. chain. So I think that's really interesting to use blockchain technology for brands. Um, mm -hmm. And it was something that I worked on a project in 2018, uh, partnered with IBM called Trust Chain, where we actually traced the first um, diamond ring from, from the gold from the mine and the diamond from the mine all the way to the finished product. So mm -hmm. some really cool things happening utilizing blockchain technology in supply chain and marketers can get in on that for sure. Fascinating. So I'm going to now move to some of the philanthropic work that you're doing. You uh, you are committed to your philanthropic pursuits and then you're also working with two or three different uh, uh, philanthropic organizations. Tell me yes. a little bit about the work you're doing there. Well, I I, I found in my career that all of a sudden I was working all these executive roles and I had an amazing life. I had so blessed in so many ways. And I felt, wow, there's something just something's missing. And I grew up with a family that was very involved in philanthropy and always my parents always taught me to involve in my community. And I looked around and said, oh, wow, you know what am I doing to actually make a difference? I make a difference with my team. That's my leadership style, mm -hmm. but, and I'm, you know, but I needed to do something more. So I am what's called a big for big brothers, big sisters uh, of America, but specifically I focus in the Miami area, which means that I am a mentor to a child that likely otherwise would not have had a mentor. My little is now a sophomore in college. So she went to school for a full ride four-year scholarship through fundraising efforts that the company Monate that I worked for provided in partnership with Big Brothers Big Sisters. Mm -hmm. And I'm now on the Impact Circle Committee, which is the Young Professionals Organization, and really trying to get the word out about how critical mentoring can, is and how much it can change a child's life in a small amount of time. Mm -hmm. I think we often think this is so, it's so much work. There's nothing that we can do that's really impactful, but even spending 30 minutes with the child on Zoom, they have a program that you can spend on Zoom 30 minutes a month. Mm -hmm. You can make an impact in, in a child's life like that. Now it's better to be in person, but um, I think we make a lot of excuses, especially as we advance in our careers and our lives, things get more complicated every day. And, and I was one of the only directors and VPs to ever participate in, in one of these programs to start uh, when I was with Monet. And, and now I'm happy to say that's changed. And I don't say that to toot my own horn. I say that to say, if I can do it, other people can do it. And that needs to be the expectation. You know, you have to show the way you have to, for your teams and for your families, if you're a parent, these are, these are values that you instill very early in your children's lives. And these mm -hmm. are values that you show your team of what's important to the company, to the culture, to you as a leader. Correct. Correct. Well said. And my last question to you, Kathleen, and this is for the thousands of people who will watch our conversation or listen to our conversation based on your deep understanding of branding, marketing, and as a creative person, what would you say are three lessons you would want our viewers and listeners to take away from your own journey and from our conversation? 
the traditional path isn't the only path. Mm -hmm. That's a huge one. Again, I didn't have the MBA. I didn't have the traditional marketing track. And I think that that's become a strength. It certainly was more difficult potentially Mm -hmm. than going a traditional path. It was a little harder to figure me out on paper, Mm -hmm. but just because you're working in accounting now, if you're really passionate about creative, if you're really passionate about marketing, doesn't mean that you can't. And mm-hmm. I actually did have an art director who was an accountant before okay. becoming an art director for mm-hmm. me, which is really funny because I used that example until I mm-hmm. met her. And then she said, I actually worked in accounting. Mm-hmm. So traditional path doesn't matter. You can right. get there anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as possible and as painful as possible, as it is, embrace your failures. Mm-hmm. We learn so much more from our failures. Yeah. And I've had a tremendous amount. I know that every successful person mm-hmm. that I've ever spoken to has as well. And when you're in that failure, sometimes you feel really alone. But if I promise if you reach out to some people you really admire, you may see the bright, shiny career, everything on social media. But the truth is that they also have had all these failures that have gotten them there. So Mm. embrace it. And lastly, always be a student. I talked a lot about learning. I'm not the expert in everything. I'm not, you know, I, I wake up every day and say, what more can I learn? I'm an incredibly curious person. Um, I'm also a competitive person. So I always want to be the, in the know of whatever is the coolest and next thing. Um, But approach things humbly and from a place of learning. Those are my three things. How wonderful. And on that note, uh, Kathleen and your three amazing lessons, the traditional path is not the only path. Second, you said was embrace failures and learn. And third, you, which is so interesting and so powerful, always be a student and keep learning. Thank you so much for talking to me about your journey, uh, about what you're doing as a fractional chief marketing officer. Thank you for talking to me about so many different aspects of branding, you know, and uh, clearly you are so passionate about brands and branding uh, that it came through very loud and clear in our conversation. Thank you also for speaking to me about Big Brothers and Big Sisters of America. I think that's an amazing organization. And thank you again for speaking to me. Good luck. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience, and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website, www.tbcy.in, to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for the brand called You.